The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio. Once again, this is episode number 172. I'm Chad Dotson, your host. With me today is uh, your friend and mine from RedsMinorLeagues.com and uh, oftentimes contributor to Red Leg Nation, our good buddy Doug Gray. How are you today, Doug? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, three three days in a row of 15 hours of covering the draft. Uh, it's nice to not have to do that today, to be perfectly honest with you. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty uh, pretty exciting time uh, for you, but it's also, I'm sure, exhausting. My goodness. Uh, yes, it, it it kicks my butt every every year, but uh, I don't know. It, it's worth it. So it's fun. Uh, so let's uh, let's talk about the draft. That's why we're here today. Uh, that's what we're going to focus on because we sure don't want to talk about the Cincinnati Reds who just lost six in a row out west. Uh, you, you don't want to talk about them, do you, right now? I mean, there are plenty of worse things we could talk about, but yeah, it seems like the draft would be a much lighter, more fun subject to discuss today. I think certainly, and certainly for the Cincinnati Reds. Before we uh, dig too deep into the to the draft, I do want to go ahead and right off the top, we had a question on Twitter that I want to answer, and, and I'll let each of you know, if you want to uh, ask a question for us to answer on the podcast at any time, just uh, you know, email me at chaddotson at redlegnation.com, um, and we'll try to try to answer, uh, answer all the questions we get on the podcast. This is a question from Christian Sharp at C-Sharp-M-O-Y, and the question is, Doug, I mean, there's only one answer to this, but here's the question. Do you think there was any player drafted this year for the Reds that could compete with Billy Hamilton for being the best player in baseball? Yes. Get out of town. Man, what are we you have, talking we, about? I'll make it nice and easy. At some point, Billy Hamilton's going to be old. He's going to start declining at some point. Some of these guys that are drafted are 17. So when Billy Hamilton's, say, 47 years old, odds are he's going to be out of baseball and there's probably going to be one guy from this draft that's you know, 38, 39, still hanging around, which technically would make him a better player, right? Well, first of all, I don't accept your premise that Billy Hamilton's going to be finished at age 47. He won't even be slowing down yet by then. Okay, maybe, maybe you're right. <laughs> the answer is yes, there, are, is there may be one player in this draft. We're not going to say who it is, but there may be one player better than Billy Hamilton. Well, let's hope that it's at least one of the guys that we selected, if there's exactly. going to be one. Yeah, let's hope, let's hope it's a future Red. So the, the Major League Baseball draft was this week, and uh, it's always an interesting, uh, interesting process for Reds fans because it's, you know, it's not like the, the NBA draft, for example, and, and a lot of people, for a lot of people, the NFL draft, where they know a lot of the players. And here it's a little bit... Um, some some more obscure names for a lot of people, for a lot of major league fans. And so that's sort of why Doug and I wanted to talk. And, and I'm going to just confess that I don't know a whole lot about these draftees. Now, I've read the coverage a little bit, and I've actually read everything Doug's written. So I probably do know more than, than the average. But I'm going to ask Doug to uh, 
to, to, to tell us about some of these guys, because I'm pretty excited about some of these, and what I'm really excited about is the name of some of these. I want to get into that later. We got some gr- the Reds picked some great names. But the, the first round, did, let's say this. The Reds' first round pick was Hunter Green, a uh, 17-year-old right-handed pitcher slash shortstop out of Sherman Oaks, California. Did And that was the number two overall pick. Is that the way you expected the draft to go before it started, that the Reds would uh, would get green? Yeah, it just seems that everybody in the know seemed to know that that was their guy if he was there probably for the last month or so. Um, leading up to the draft, it, it seemed at least until a couple of days ago, no one was really sure whether the Twins would select him or not uh, and, and leave him there for the Reds. But uh, the last couple of days right before the draft, it seems that the Twins had kind of made up their mind that they wanted to go with uh, you know, a, a different route. Um, they didn't want to take the risk in drafting uh, a high school right-handed pitcher number one overall, which has never happened in the history of the draft. Um, and so they, they went a different route, and it, it left him sitting there for the Reds, who, uh, by all uh, reactions from the way that Dick Williams and Chris Buckley were speaking, uh, if it hadn't been a four-TV presentation and they had to wait the whole five minutes to make their pick, uh, they would have sprinted up to the uh, the podium and, and handed off their their pick. They they seemed very very excited that he was there for them. Yeah, they they were happy he landed in their lap because uh, it, it sounded to me just listening to what they were saying that they were really concerned that they wouldn't get him, and they were really uh, I mean they weren't banking on that guy, but he was seemed to be number one on their draft board. Yeah, and, and it's completely understandable. I mean, when you look at Hunter Green, you've got a guy who uh, you know, everybody believes that he was a mid first round pick as a shortstop that no one even considered. The idea of it actually happening because he's that good of a pitching prospect. Um, you know, the Reds love their athletes. Not that other teams don't love guys that are athletic, but you know, Hunter Green is just on a different kind of level than your general first-round prospect is, is in terms of athleticism. Um, and so, I, I think they were absolutely thrilled with the way that the draft played out for them. And if you're not familiar with Hunter Green, I'm going to encourage you to go and uh, read the recent Sports Illustrated profile. Hunter Green was actually a Sports Illustrated cover boy in the last month. And the I think the the headline on on the front page, or on the cover of uh, Sports Illustrated was something to the effect of this is this is the player that baseball needs this is this is the guy that baseball needs is the face of their uh, of the game in the future that's pretty high praise for a 17 year old uh, high school senior he was a high school senior at the time hadn't even been to his prom I don't think at that time so you know hey that guy's a red now. Yeah, it's he's definitely gotten plenty of uh, national attention for everything that he's done, and I guess when you throw 102 miles an hour, you know you're you're gonna, you're going to get some recognition. But uh, I think that to be perfectly fair to both Hunter Green and to the people listening, I, I think that it's a little bit over the top. I, I think that um, you know people have called him the next LeBron James, you know, the face of baseball. This is a 17 year old baseball player. You know, LeBron James was able to step into the NBA at 18 years old in I mean, he was all-star caliber. You know, he wasn't what he is today or has been the last couple of years, but, you know, he was a very, very, very talented basketball player at 18 years old and able to play at the highest level. You know, you're not going to see that with Hunter Green right now. Um, he's he's still years and years away from being major league ready. So I think that, you know, the I don't want to say the hype is unwarranted because I do think that he's a very talented baseball player, but just with the way that baseball develops – guys and you know they're not ready to step in right away you know the expectations may be a little bit unfair uh for people who aren't as familiar with how the baseball draft and development program works 
I want to talk about the way uh, Green's going to be, or is you're talking about hype, and I want to talk about that just just a moment. Um, there's something you you discussed uh, about Hunter Green on your on your site, Reds Minor Leagues, and I encourage all of you to go out and read everything that uh, that Doug's written at RedsMinorLeagues.com about the draft. Ex- extremely in depth, great stuff, Doug. But you had a tweet from uh, JJ Cooper, Baseball America, and JJ Cooper, who, uh, good guy, I, uh, I like JJ. He says uh, he tweeted, "If you are a Reds fan, be thrilled. Green has an insanely electric arm. I think when he signs, he leaps over Nick Senzel as the team's number one prospect." Uh, I think you disagree with that, but but that's the type of hype we're talking about. Yeah, and I actually, actually I, I know JJ. We we talk sometimes, and uh, I tweeted back at him that I think he's crazy for saying that. Although I can understand exactly where he's coming from. Um, I'll, I'll put it out there right now that even though I have not updated my prospect rankings, and I won't until we have till we get at least our first uh, three draft picks signed, um, just because I, I don't want to have to go back and reinsert those guys, but I would like to wait for them to be officially Reds before tossing them in there, that uh, Nick Senzel is going to be the Reds' top prospect when my, when my new list comes out. Um, yeah, there, there's just too much involved to put Hunter Green ahead of him right now. Let's, let's be fair. Baseball America has Nick Senzel as the number six prospect in all of baseball right now. So it, it's not like Nick Senzel is just a good prospect. They're calling him, at least by what they're ranking him, an elite-level prospect, like one of the best prospects in all of baseball. I, I, I think that you're getting a little bit ahead of yourself to put a guy ahead of a guy like Nick Senzel who has not thrown a pitch as a professional yet. But that, that's just my opinion. Um, I would probably say he's going to be the number two guy but we'll, we'll kind of have to see once i get down to you know going over everybody there's a few guys that are in contention there but uh definitely an elite level prospect it's just going to work out that he's not quite going to be ahead of nixon at least on my list well i think all that's reasonable but isn't the uh, that kind of hype that's based on the fact that and you would even i think you'd even say that even compared to Nick Senzel, that green has by far the highest ceiling of anyone and that's partially a function of the fact that he's so young and there's so much we don't know. We, you know, we don't see how he's going to respond. But his his ceiling is, uh, you know, right now as high as it gets. Yeah, and, and you definitely have to weigh that in. Um, you know, as far as pitchers go, there's probably nobody in the system that has this, the ceiling that Hunter Green has. Definitely not position-wise. Uh, but with a 17-year-old pitcher, you've also got plenty of risk involved. Whereas I, I just don't see much risk involved with a guy like Nick Senzel. And I, and I think that's really the, uh, the the overwhelming factor for having him ranked higher, without a doubt, in my mind right now. I don't know what you're talking about risk. Cause I don't, I've never known, <laughs> known any Reds pitchers to get hurt. I don't know why you'd think that there's any kind of a risk that Green might get hurt or not perform like we expect him to. We've not seen any of that lately out of young pitchers. No, no. The Reds, uh, they've got a great <laughs> track record of uh, keeping everybody healthy and performing at a very top level. Exactly. Okay, so, you know... Uh, you can you can make an argument as to is this the guy the Reds should have taken? Uh, I don't think you can make uh, an argument that it's a bad choice um, or that uh, he's not a great prospect. And so you know, hey, that's a that's a pretty big infusion of talent into the organization. So uh, we'll have to wait and see how he performs. But so far, so good, I guess. After pick number one, is that the way you felt? Yeah, and I, I mean, I'll be perfectly honest with everybody listening. Hunter Green was not the guy that was number one on my draft board, and the guy that I did have number one was available for the Reds to take. Um, I, I had Vanderbilt right-handed pitcher Kyle Wright ranked number one on my board. Um, you know, we talked about Hunter Green's upside, and I, I, I do think that 
Uh, he does have a little bit more upside than Kyle Wright does, but you know Kyle Wright has you know All Star level upside, and I think that he's just a safer kind of pick. Um, the Reds chose to go with the upside, and I, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, you know, there's very little bit of a gap between the guys that were probably ranked one through five on my personal board. And as I've written many times, if Chris Buckley makes a first round pick, whether I agree with it or not, I decide that Chris Buckley's right and I'm not. Uh, his his track record since he took over the scouting director in 2006 stacks up with anybody in Major League Baseball. Uh, and so I, I definitely put all of my faith into what he decides is the uh, the guy to go with. And, you know, they, they went with Hunter Green and until I see otherwise... They made the right pick. Hunter Green wasn't even in the top three on my personal draft board because the top two were both uh, players from the University of Virginia, Paven Smith and Adam Hazley. I can't believe the Reds didn't take either one of them, and so I'm I'm a little disappointed. Well, let's let's be fair. If they took Paven Smith, where would he play? He'll play wherever he wants to play. He's from the Vir- University of Virginia. He can do anything. <sighs> what position does he play, Chad? <laughs> he plays first base. And who plays there for the Reds right now? Uh, Scooter? I, I can't remember. Um, some, some guy named Joey Votto. Oh, yeah, that's true. He's a baseball. Okay, well, what about uh, what about Adam Hazley? You know, I, I really do like Adam Hazley, and I, I think that he's going to be a very, very good major leaguer. Um, I, I think that they would have been overdrafting him slightly at number two. Sure. But I would, I would not have been surprised if he went in the top five. I, I do think that he's a very, very good future Major League Baseball player. And if somehow he had been taken by the Reds, I would not have been disappointed by that. You're right. I, I'm just That's sort of my role I play is that I'm a illogical uh, University of Virginia homer uh, as an alum. I, I get it. I, I've been there. It, it's beautiful. <laughs> but uh, but for, you know, I've been watching those guys for the last three years. And really, Paven Smith, who went number seven to the Diamondbacks, and then Adam Hazley, who went number eight, to the Phillies, those guys are legit. I mean, those guys can play. And, and Hazley had a big win as a freshman starter in the College World Series that uh, he'll always be remembered uh, at UVA for. He as a as a freshman hadn't started in a month and uh, got a surprise start and, and kept the uh, in, in an elimination game in the College World Series and beat Vanderbilt. So, but anyway, I just that was an aside that nobody cares about. Hunter Green, I'm I'm excited about it. A lot of a lot of Reds fans. I'd like to know your opinion. Um, we're sort of hoping the Reds would go Brendan McKay, the the first baseman slash pitcher from the University of uh, Louisville, at number two. And of course, he dropped to four. What were your thoughts about whether the Reds should go for McKay? Uh, I I didn't really see it as a good fit for the Reds. Um, you know, as a first baseman, you know, like with right, like yeah. we were just talking about, where's he going to play? He's not going to play there. Uh, nobody really seemed to be confident that he could move to a corner outfield spot. He's a very slow runner, uh, and while that bat may play. You're going to give up a lot of that back on defense if you try that. So that that one just didn't make sense for me as a hitter. And as far as a pitcher goes, I, I wasn't sold that he was a number two caliber pitcher in the draft. Uh, may, maybe I'm wrong. We'll find out eventually if that's true or not. Uh, I just I just didn't see it as far as him as being the basically the top pitcher in the draft. It, there were just too many other guys that seemed to profile a little bit better. Um, now I, I understand that a lot of people like the idea just because, one, he can be there quicker as a college player, uh, and two, that, you know, in the National League, maybe you're able to take a little bit more advantage of his bat uh, as, as a pitcher. You can kind of get that two-way thing kind of going, and he can provide that extra value there. Um, you know, I again, though, at number two, that just didn't make sense for me. If, if they had been drafting a little bit further down in the top ten, you know, that's a guy that you can make a good argument for, but I, I just didn't see it that high up in the draft. 
Hey, you know there were five Virginia guys taken in the top ten rounds. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry. I, 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 didn't, I did not know <laughs> that, actually, Chad, but I'm glad that you shared it with me and all the listeners. Yeah, now, now you know. <laughs> the more you know. Uh, you're right. You're right about uh, about that. It sort of maybe it makes sense, maybe it doesn't. One last thing about Hunter Green that I wanted to ask you, and I don't know if I, I read this or if I'm just making it up in my head or dreaming it, but did I see that there's some talk that he may, that the Reds may, uh, start Hunter Grant Green as a pitcher and then let him be a designated hitter on days that he's not pitching? You sort of saw something like that, yes. Uh, the the word right now is that they're going to let him pitch, but they're also going to let him DH a few times a week. Um, you know, we, like we said earlier, you know, mid-first round shortstop kind of guy. Uh, they're not going to let him play in the field. And I, I think that's a very smart move for them. Uh, you know, you don't really want to risk him getting into some sort of collision at second base, you know, trying to turn a double play or something like that. It's just not worth it. But going back to kind of how we were just talking about with Brendan McKay, if you can keep his bat fresh, and in the in the lower minor leagues, you do not hit as a pitcher. It's not until you reach double A AA and triple A that the pitchers hit. And even then, they only hit in games when it's between two National League affiliates. So, you know, pitchers, that's one of the reasons pitchers don't hit very well in the major leagues. You know, the guys that could hit in college or in high school – they don't get to bat for quite a while, and they, they kind of lose that timing and that feel uh, you know, in your development because you're not hitting for several years as you work your way up. Um, if you're going to be somebody who's as talented as Hunter Green is, you know, maybe it makes sense to get him you know, 15 to 20 at-bats a week while also pitching. Um, and then you know, maybe you can have a Madison Bumgarner-type hitter to go along with what he can bring on the mound. Uh, you know. The top hitting pitchers each year bringing an extra win, win and a half. Um, and nobody really developed a pitcher who comes up hitting throughout the minor leagues. So if you can really do that and he can develop, you know, you, maybe you're getting two extra wins at the very top end of a pitcher who can really hit. So I, I really do like that plan, and I guess we'll kind of have to see how they, they stick with it over the years. This might just be something that they're letting him do right now. Um, you know, just because he wants to, and they're they're just willing to give that concession right now, and then they'll just tell him, you know, hey, we want you to stick with pitching next year. Uh, we have seen that happen a few different times through over the years with other teams and organizations, but um, you know, it would not surprise me if it's kind of a, a long term plan that the Reds were looking at, uh, it you know, setting setting course for with Hunter Green, especially if he hits well this year. Yeah, there's no reason not to keep the bat in his hand as far as I can tell right now. You know, what's it going to hurt? Now, I agree with not having him in the field if he's pitching because, you know, that's a different that's a different animal. You know, you don't necessarily want him throwing even from shortstop to first the day after he starts, etc. But uh, I think it's interesting. I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll be looking forward to seeing how that goes. Um, so now uh, the last last question about Hunter Green. I think we can go ahead and, and pencil him in for next year's starting rotation in Cincinnati. Um, I mean, you can try and pencil it in all you want, but I, I have a feeling that, uh, you know, Dick Williams probably isn't going to let that one happen. But I, I hear you guys are good buddies, and you hang out at the University huh. of Virginia together. You know, you party, all this stuff. So, you know, maybe you can talk to him about it. Yeah, I think I'll, I'll do that at our next little uh, alumni party. Absolutely. Um, okay, Hunter Green, uh, I guess you may not be next year's starting rotation. So, uh, Asher Wojciechowski, uh, that's another spot that you can try to win. <laughs> Let's move on uh, to the Reds. They had a competitive balance uh, first-round pick. It was number 32 overall, and uh, this is the first of the great names that the Reds drafted. A shortstop from, uh, out of Miami, Florida, Jeter Downs. And good little story behind him and great name. Tell us a little bit about Jeter Downs. 
Well, the name stands out immediately, and yes, he was named after Derek Jeter. So he's a shortstop uh, so, named after Derek Jeter. Uh, you can tell his dad uh, wanted a shortstop from the day he was born. Well, what's funny is that it was actually his mother who was ah, the Derek Jeter. There you go, the Derek Jeter fan. His yeah, father I wonder was a why. huge. His father was a huge Boston Red Sox fan. So re- reading some of the stories with that was was pretty interesting. But uh, is his is his middle name Nomar? You know, I don't know, but I would really doubt it. <laughs> That'd be great. I hope so, though. That'd I be really great. hope so. Um, uh, can he play? I, I, it sounds like he's polished with his bat more so than uh, in the in the field. Is that is that true? Well, I, I don't want to say he's not polished uh, in the field. Um, he, he's well known for his good glove work, and he's got a strong arm. Uh, I, I think that it's more the range that's the issue with him that, you know, scouts believe that maybe he'll wind up at second base rather than sticking at shortstop in the long term. But right now he, he can play shortstop. It's just whether he fills out uh, anymore as he continues to you know, grow. He's you know just coming out of high school, so there's always the chance that if you put on you know ten, fifteen pounds of you know good weight over the years, you're going to lose that half a step that you may need at shortstop. Hold on, I'm sorry, I, I've got to interrupt. You're telling me that a shortstop named after Derek Jeter may not have quite enough range to play shortstop in the in the major leagues. Is is that what you're telling me? I am, and we can make <laughs> jokes about that all day long if we want to. Because um, Jeter had no, I know there were Jeter fans out there, whatever, I'm sorry, but that guy had no range whatsoever. He was the most overrated shortstop in baseball. But anyway, okay, go ahead. We're not, we're not here to, 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 to down Jeter. We're here to talk about Jeter Downs. Yes. Uh, Jeter Downs, though, like, like you said, he's well known for uh, the, the advancedness of his bat for a high school pitter. Um, you know, Chris Buckley he kept talking about how mature he was in his approach. He, he compared him to, to uh, college hitters. Um, as far as, you know, how advanced he is, which you don't see too often uh, for guys coming out of high school. Um, you know, they just don't have the experience. But, um, you know, they, the Reds really, really like this kid's bat. Um, you know, he's got above-average power potential. You know, you might might get 20-plus 20, 20 home runs out of him in the future. Um, you can use the whole field. There's a lot to like there. He's very athletic. Uh, the, the really only question is, can he stick at shortstop in the long term? And we're just going to wait and find out because – you know, like I said, it's going to depend on exactly how he fills out his frame over the next couple of years. Well, if he can, if he can stick at shortstop and uh, and and the bat plays, uh, all of a sudden you're talking about, hey, this is a this is a, you can see why you can see why he's uh, picked so highly in the draft. And you talk about maturity as well. He's going to turn 19 already this summer for a high school guy. That's that's, I mean, Hunter Green's just 17, right? Yeah, Hunter Green is definitely one of the youngest guys in the draft class. Uh, from the high school, well, I guess you're not going to find any 17-year-olds coming from the college class. But, uh, yeah, Jeter Downs is one of the older guys in the high school class. Uh, so, you know, that definitely comes into play a little bit when you talk about his maturity. But e- even so, you know, it, it just seems that everywhere you read, um, you know, he was getting high praise for how, how mature he was, both on and off the field. Um, you know, that, that might have a little bit to do with the fact that he's a little bit older. But, you know, it's not like we're talking about a guy who's 27 years old versus a guy who's 17 or 18 years old either. Exactly. Now, a little bit of an interesting strategy. I want to get your take on it. The Reds took high school guys, uh, first two guys, uh, some guys with, with high upside. But again, there's a little more risk with those high school guys, as you note. Uh, were you a little surprised by that? Because that's not always been the Reds' strategy. Not really. If they had taken two high school pitchers back to back, that would have been a thing where I've been like, okay, that's really risky. But taking high school shortstops isn't nearly. It's not all that risky, um, especially early on in the draft. You know, generally speaking. You know, high school shortstops, they don't stick at shortstop in the long term, but they generally hit well enough that they can slide over to third base or second base or center field. 
you know, as long as the bat plays and, you know, you're, you're at this point, you're just going for the best player available. Um, you know, I guess unless it's a first baseman because they're not going to take a first baseman anywhere early in the draft because, you know, that Joey Votto guy is still there for seven years. <laughs> He's all right. Are, yeah. sa- sanibility issues with either of these top two guys? No, and, and we'll, we'll talk about that real quick. Um, a couple of years ago, Major League Baseball set up what they call draft pools. And basically every team gets slot value money that they're allowed to spend. And they're, they're not given this money by Major League Baseball. They're just given the amount um, that they're allowed to spend um, for the first 10 rounds. And you cannot go over that amount by more than 5%. If you go over by 5%, you give up your first round draft pick the next year. Nobody's ever done that, and it's never going to happen. Uh, teams value that way, way too much. Um, but because they've gone to this slotting system and you have to stick within your budget, teams know what it's going to take to sign these guys. Last year, there were only two picks in the top ten rounds from all major league teams that did not sign. And funny enough, the Reds actually drafted one of those guys this year, uh, and he has said that he plans on signing. So that that's good to hear. But I'd be very, very surprised if the Reds weren't able to sign somebody within the top 10 rounds. You know, they go into this knowing what it's going to take to get these guys uh, into the organization because if you don't sign them, you lose that value money, which you know, for you know, the top couple of rounds, we're talking millions of dollars that you can't spend elsewhere even if you're willing to. So I, I don't think that any of these guys are going to not sign. And the, the signing date this year has actually been moved up to July 7th, which that's – that's just over three weeks away. Yeah, that's soon. So, you know, there, there's not much time for negotiations anymore. It used to be uh, as late as the third week of August that you had to sign these guys. Um, and so they've, they've really pushed that forward this year, and teams kind of have a general idea of what it's going to take, and there, there's just not too many negotiations that go on anymore. It seems that both sides know, you know, what it's going to take, and they're kind of all on the same page with that. Well, that's interesting. Uh, both these guys start at Billings, you think? Or- you know, I, I would be very surprised if Hunter Green started in Billings. Same, same to Florida? I, I think that the, the, or Arizona? They're in Arizona, yeah. I, I think that the reason being uh, is Hunter Green hasn't pitched since April, early April. So it, it's going to take him some time to kind of get back into the groove of things, and it's a much easier situation to put him into in Arizona. There's no crowds. Uh, you know, the rosters are very big. There's not any pressure to really, you know, win. You can have it, just go out there and get your work in, you know, those first few times out. I, I do think there's a chance we'll see him in Billings uh, at some point during the season, but I'd be very surprised if it, it wasn't in Arizona where he started his career. Okay. Um, I, I'm not sure how you pronounce this game, but this Phil Razor guy on Twitter, can you tell him to leave us alone? At PSR1973? Phil, you got to stop. Oh, my goodness. He's wearing me out. <laughs> not really. Not really. Love you, Phil. Um Stick to your cats, Phil. <laughs> okay, so Hunter Green, Jeter Downs, you know, that's, uh, if you're a Reds fan, you know, I'm sure everybody's excited about their first two picks, but not a whole lot you can say uh, bad about these two, I wouldn't think, right? No, I'm I'm thrilled with the way that the uh, the first two guys they took worked out. Um, you know, I'm a big guy as tar- in, in, in terms of athleticism and up-the-middle guys, uh, so when, when you grab a shortstop that's very athletic, I'm all in. I'm all in. The next guy, uh, second-round pick, their third pick overall, but the second-round pick and the number 38 uh, overall pick. And, you know, I said a moment ago, again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to harp on this a little bit. The Reds didn't take any University of Virginia guys. Dick Williams, what are you doing, buddy? Um, but they did take a guy from the Atlantic Coast Conference, and that's Wake Forest outfielder Stuart Fairchild. And, I, and I've actually seen, seen him play a little bit. He had a uh, 
a pretty monster monster uh, junior season this year. The power really, really showed up for, for the first time. You know, he hit 359, 438 on base, hit uh, 15 home run, or 17 home runs after having only 10 combined in his first two seasons. Um, what are your thoughts about Stuart Fairchild? Well, according to all the reports, he can stick in center field, and if you're going to get that kind of power mm. out of a center fielder, uh, that's that's really really big. Um, you know, there's there's not too many twenty plus home run guys that can really play center field in the major leagues these days. And uh, you know, if if the reports are true that he can he can stick in center field and be a quality defender, not just you know your fringe average kind of guy who you know you don't really want to be out there, but you're willing to accept it because he can hit. Uh, we're we're talking about a, a potential all star kind of guy. Um, you know, I, I think that you know. The big question is going to be more so about one: is he going to be able to play center field if uh, you know your favorite player Billy Hamblin is still here? Uh, but but even if that works out to be the case that you know there's not a spot open for him, that power is going to play in one of the corners too. Um, now again, whether that position's open or not, we don't know. But the, the bat definitely is one that will play anywhere in the outfield, and as a center fielder, you really hope that. You know, you can get the most out of that bat at that position. Sure, and, and and if he hits, as you said, if he hits, they'll find a place for him. It's you know, but you're right. If, it, go ahead. Well, and if not, if not, they can always use him as a, as a trade uh, guy that you know can bring in something that they do need that, that maybe they don't have. Sure. Uh, you know, we've we've seen that in the past when they traded for Matt Latos, they used guys that you know were blocked by other young, very good players, and they acquired what they needed. And that's an interesting point because. These guys are we were talking about. Oh, where they're going to play on the Reds in a, in a few years? But also, the hope is that the Reds are about to turn the corner here on this rebuild, and maybe by the time he's getting close, uh, he might be a trade chip uh, that they can fill in some of the holes on the major league roster. All these guys, not just him. I'm, I'm not suggesting Fairchild specifically, but any of these guys are are major assets that the Reds can use to help. Even if they're not the actual person helping the major league uh, pro- team, they're assets that can be used to uh, help improve the big league club. So. Um, so this sort of infusion of talent uh, is good, and I love the idea of a center fielder that can hit with power. You know, I am a Billy Hamilton uh, acolyte, but if uh, a center fielder, if he can stick in center field and 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 the power is real, and and I, from what I read, people think the power is real, then that 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 is a pretty interesting player. Yeah, and you know, whether whether you want to hear it or not, Chad, Billy Hamilton is going to be a free agent at some point in his career. So Perfect. you know, while the Reds probably want to bring him back, it's not directly up to them so you know we, we may need a guy like Stuart Fairchild to step in for Billy Hamilton one of these days all right yeah uh no question now what about the you noted on at your site and again everybody go check out everything Doug wrote uh we're, we're talking about these guys but he goes way more in depth at redsminorleagues.com about these guys you noted uh, some maybe some concerns about plate this I mean he had a 438 on base percentage but uh his walks dropped this year um plate discipline concerns I, I do think there's a, there's a little bit of a concern there, but you know as I noted on the site, when in 2016 his walk to strikeout ratio was nearly one to one, and that that's generally the line that I want to see from you know guys that are considered top college hitters. Uh, you know, college baseball is a lot different than professional baseball. You're not you're not seeing guys that are going to pitch even professionally at the lowest levels every day when you take the field in college, uh, and so. I always want to see guys that are walking nearly as much as they're striking out in college. And while that didn't happen in 2017, it did happen in 2016. So I, I don't think it's a huge concern, but if there were one thing I'd have to say to watch with, with Stuart Fairchild moving forward, it would be, you know, the plate discipline. Um, you know, just 
just keep an eye on it. Um, you know, scouting report wise, there doesn't seem to be scouts out there saying you know he can't he can't hit a breaking ball or he he's fooled on every changeup he's ever seen. So that that's good. Um, but you know, he he did only walk 29 times with 49 strikeouts this year, and that's not really a ratio that I I'd be thrilled about from a college guy. But you know. He, he was much better in 2016, so I don't think it's a huge concern, but definitely something I will be keeping an eye on. Yeah, Bears watching. So, but uh, but I'm excited about uh, about the possibilities uh, that are inherent in what we, what uh, Stuart Fairchild could be, and and hopefully will be. So you know, the Reds had three of the top 38 picks, and after day one of the draft, I think that was uh, that was where we stood. After day one, what were, what was your sense of how the Reds had done comparatively compared to everyone else in the league uh, so far after day one? Uh, I, I loved it. Um, you know, they got two guys that can play up the middle that have five tool abilities, uh, and then they got who everybody thought was the number one player in the country in Hunter Green. Uh, it, it, it's tough to beat that. And you know, whether we want to believe it or not, and I, I think that a lot of people do have problems grasping just how tough it is to turn draft picks into major leaguers. Um, you know, the large, overwhelming majority of your major leaguers are going to be first or second round guys. Um, and so when you look at how good a draft is, usually you're pretty much looking at your first and second round guys. Every so often you're going to see, you know, guys drafted in the third, fourth, fifth rounds turn into guys, but it usually doesn't happen. So, you know, day one, A plus from me, and, uh, you know, hopefully they'll get more out of the draft than just the day one guys, but, um, you know, if if that's all they get, I, I really like what they did. Yeah, and and that's the that's the benefit of having the high draft picks and having three picks uh, so early, top thirty eight. Because you're right. I mean, everybody says that the draft is a crapshoot, and in some ways it is. But on the other hand, uh, most of your top guys are those first two uh, rounds. I mean, people are going to make the major leagues from every round, but um, it's certainly a diminishing returns the further you go. So. It looked to me like just a sort of a, an observer from the outside that, wow, that looks like a pretty good infusion of talent in the organization and uh, pretty exciting, I think. Let's uh, let's talk about the rest of the top five rounds, and then we're going to start sort of pick and choose where we go after that. Um, third round, the Reds got number 77 overall. The Reds got Jacob Heatherly, another high school pitcher. This one a lefty out of Alabama. What do we know about Jacob Heatherly? Well, what's interesting about Jacob Heatherly is that he's the highest left-handed pitcher that Chris Buckley's ever taken since he took over the draft for the Reds in 2006. What do you mean by he's, uh, he's the highest? Do we have concerns uh, about drug tests? Uh, no, we do not. Uh, <laughs> but the Reds have actually only drafted two left-handed pitchers since 2006 in the top 100 picks in the entire draft. Wow, I, I didn't know uh, that. Yeah, and the other one was Donnie Joseph, who was a relief pitcher, mm-hmm. um, who had incredible stuff, but you know, c- could not locate his breaking ball for strikes in... Once he got to the upper minor leagues, that that wasn't going to work against guys, and he never really made the adjustment. Um, but you know, Jacob Heatherly's a starting pitcher. You know, I, I think that you know, as far as all the good things that he does, he's got a chance to be a middle of the rotation kind of guy. You know, lefty who's 89 to 92, he can touch 95 with the pitch. Uh, you know, he throws two different versions of a curveball, one harder uh, with you know shorter breaking action to it, one kind of a big slow looping pitch. Uh, in, the, in the low 70s. And then, you know, he's got a change up that he doesn't use too much right now, which that's generally what you're going to see with high school pitchers because they don't really need it against high school competition, right. so they don't throw it too much. Uh, but, you know, three-pitch guy, uh, I guess four-pitch if you want to count both versions of his curveball. Um, you know, he's, he's got good size. He's already six foot one, 215 pounds. 
which means there might not be too much for him to, uh, you know, grow into. You know, velocity's probably not going to pick up four or five miles an hour like you might see with some guys who are, you know, tall but skinny and have, you know, room to fill out. He, he's probably filled out pretty much at this point. Um, but uh, Again, uh, already 19 years old, one of the older older players, high school players in the draft. Yes. Uh, so. And I, I think that that actually plays into, uh, you know, some benefit for the Reds because he's going to be more advanced uh, when he comes into into professional baseball. And maybe you can push him a little bit harder than you would, you know, or well, definitely would than a guy like Hunter Green who maybe you want to, you know, be a little bit more cautious with his arm uh, just because there's, there's, there's more growing into it, uh, so to speak. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I, I really like Heatherly. If, if he signs quickly, it wouldn't surprise me if he went to Billings right out of the gate. Um, but I, I guess it really does just come down to how long it takes for him to sign. He's uh, you mentioned that he may not have had to use the changeup much in high school because he didn't need it, and that brings me to one of my favorite things here. Uh, looks like he had a 1.11 ERA uh, during his senior season of high school, 69.2 innings, so 69 innings and 116 strikeouts. Hey, that's not bad. That's not bad. Now, <laughs> to be fair, he also walked 39 batters in those 69.2 innings, and for a high school guy, that's that's a lot. Uh, because realistically, you should be dominating other high school hitters um, if you're going to be, you know, a, a major league baseball prospect. Uh, and so I, I think that's going to be something that you know the Reds are going to have to work with him on. And I, I'm not sure if it's you know a, a mechanical thing that they they need to work on with him, or you know maybe it's just a concentration thing. I, I'm not sure. Uh, but if there is something to watch with Heatherly, that that would be what I'd keep an eye on. Fourth round, uh, the Reds picked a guy that has a first-round name, my favorite name in this draft, shortstop out of uh, Orlando, Florida, Cash Case. What a great name. Is he a great player as well as a, a great name? Well, it's going to be tough to find a better name than that, to it's be honest. Fantastic. It's fantastic. There, there, there were so many, you know, tweets going around um, just with, you know, suitcases full of cash and it was it was good it, it was really good for about 15 minutes on twitter on draft day it's a name that's uh, emoji ready yes it is <laughs> um but as, as far as the player goes uh, you know another one of these guys who he's he's going to start off at shortstop in the minor leagues but he's probably going to slide over to second or third base fortunately that's fine you know he he's not a a light hitting shortstop uh definitely a bat first guy very short compact swing 15 to 20 home run power in the future. Uh, he's got a chance to hit for a good average as well. Um, you know, I, I one of the guys that I really like on uh, as far as scouting services go is uh, Frankie Pillier, and I swear if I'm messing up his name, I'm sorry. Uh, but he, he's a uh, former big league scout, and now he, he writes all over the place. Um, but, you know, he, he really, really likes this kid, and he's, he says he's really going to hit. So I'll, I'll take his word for it. I've seen some video. I really liked what I saw. Uh, I, I think this guy could be a steal in the fourth round. I really do. That's fantastic. And I, an interesting note that you had on your site there, RedsMinorLeagues.com, uh, that from Chris Buckley, which is that best buddies with Jesse Winker. Yeah, they're apparently if well, Jesse's not from there, but Jesse his family lives there and he lives there in the off season. Uh, they're they're from the is the same area, and so uh, apparently they're uh, they're good buddies. And if if you're gonna Learn hitting from a a minor league guy. Jesse Winker is definitely not one of the worst guys to be friends with. Well, in terms so. of plate approach, that's a fact. So, very interesting. Cash Case, my new favorite name in the Cincinnati Reds organization. Cash Case. I just like saying it. I'm going to say it again, Doug. Thank you. Go for it. Cash K. 
case. Oh, it's just, just just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? It's glorious. It's just glorious. Now, a name that's not doesn't roll off the tongue. As a matter of fact, I don't know how to pronounce it. I'm going to let you pronounce the Cincinnati Reds' fifth round draft pick, the first college pitcher of the draft out of southeastern Louisiana. Max Roller. Oh, Max Roller. That's like sounds like one one word. Max Roller. It, it, it definitely blends together, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, I don't like it. But I like the player. He uh, looks like a scouting report. Big, tall guy. Um, possible future starter? Yeah, I think so. Now, we're probably talking more, you know, number four kind of guy at this point. Uh, but, you know, he, he works in the low 90s and he can touch 95. Uh, very good changeup. You know, some scouts have called it a plus pitch. Uh, and so, you know, we're talking about a, a major league put-away pitch with a changeup. Um, so, you know, definitely got the first two pitches in terms of, you know, pure scouting to go as a starter. But he also throws a slider and a curveball. Um, probably going to have to, you know, figure out which one works best. There aren't too many guys out there in the major leagues that are throwing both a, a curveball and a slider. Maybe he can be that kind of guy. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he, he was pretty good in college. He had 110 strikeouts this year and 101 and two-thirds innings. He only walked 34 guys. Good control. Uh, you know, there, there's not much to dislike here. You know, starting with uh, Max Soroller, I love it. Actually, I don't, but <laughs> starting the fifth round, looks like the Reds went one, two, three, four, five out of the next six rounds, uh, college pitchers. All right. Yeah, I, I, yeah well, um, kind of getting back to, you know, the, the whole draft pool thing that we talked about earlier, it seems like most teams starting in the sixth or seventh round kind of went college heavy uh, as far as players go and more so college seniors because they'll sign for significantly less money than their slot value is and that'll give the teams more money to work with now i think it's a very unfair system but it, it is what it is at this point okay now starting at uh, with fifth round and, and below who are some guys that you because we can't go through we don't have time to go through all of these guys but who are some guys that you want think need to be highlighted that you think are interesting selections well i want to start off with Someone that you mentioned on Twitter that you wanted to talk about. Oh gosh, uh, a great not, name, another great name, but it, I'm it, mad it that really they selected is. him. <laughs> uh, ninth rounder, uh, left-handed pitcher named Packy Naughton. Packy uh, Naughton. And where did he go to school at, Chad? Well, it's almost a college. It's a uh, Vir <laughs> Virginia Polytechnic Institute and State University, also known as Virginia Tech. Yeah, do, good old, good old Virginia Tech. Let me ask you this: You're getting ready to talk about his college career, but do you know if, whether he majored in poultry science or animal husbandry? Those, I, I do, I do not know. Okay, I'm going to guess that he did not. <laughs> those are, but those I Virginia, cannot confirm that. Those are Virginia Tech majors. That's all I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> okay, Packy Naughton, great name, not Cash Case, but it's right up there. I was uh, jokes about Virginia Tech aside. I was really sur not surprised, but it was interesting because. His college numbers were just bad. Yeah, I, you know, you look at his his college numbers, and I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, they're, his ERAs are not good. Uh, in 2015, it was 4.91, and that was easily the best year that he had. Uh, you know, in 2016, it was 6.75, and this year it was 6.24. Not very good at keeping runs off the board. Now, on the flip side, he misses bats, so that's good. You know, he's a left-hander who can touch 95. And he sits in the low 90s. Um, you know, he's got a he's got a breaking ball. He's got a change up. Uh, not I, I, I wouldn't surprise me if he started in the minor leagues for a little bit. But everything about him, it just screams, you know, reliever in the future. Uh, and so, you know, maybe 
it's one of those off-speed pitches that's kind of been the problem for him in college uh, and has led to him being hit around a little bit and focusing on one of those pitches rather than both of them. That can be the, that really can be a big difference in, you know, getting hit around a lot and having success. So, you know, you're not going to find too many lefties throwing 95 in the ninth round. Uh, you know, bad numbers or not, ninth rounders, you know, if they reach double A, it's, it's a successful pick. So, you know, if you can find a left-handed pitcher that can throw 95 in the ninth round, take them and see what you can do. You know, hope that your development staff can work with them and, you know, find that one thing that makes a little bit of a difference. Well, and that's what Chris Buckley said. He's a left-handed pitcher with an above-average arm, and they're just hard to find. So, And like I said, I, I trust Chris Buckley. He knows what he's doing. So, And Buckley uh, we trust. That's right. All right. Who, el- who else do you want to highlight? Who are the other no. interesting, interesting no. names? No. No. After the 10th round, that's kind of where the draft pool thing really comes into play because teams can't just spend whatever they want. You get up to $125,000 to spend before it counts against your, your first 10-round pool. Anything you spend over that does count towards that. Um, and so here's where you'll see mostly high school guys taken that were ranked much higher than where they got selected. Um, one of those guys is 11th rounder, uh, Tommy Mace. He's a right-handed pitcher. Uh, six foot seven, 200 pounds. Um, you know, he was rated as high as a, a late second round pick by some places. He throws 92 to 94 right now. And at that size, there's plenty of room for projection that he could pick up velocity uh, as he as he fills out. Probably going to be a tough sign, um, but maybe the Reds can find the kind of money. And if they can, he would be a huge, huge pickup for the team if they could make that happen. I'm not expecting it to. Um, but, you know, at, at the 11th round, it wouldn't surprise me if they kind of had already talked to him and had a general idea of what he wanted. Um, and so, you know, don't be surprised if he is a guy who gets, you know, six hundred, seven hundred thousand dollars in the eleventh round, um, and you know they they're able to bring him in. Six seven, wow. Yeah, he he's he is a tall one. Let me tell you. Um, now, there's another really interesting guy. Um, they took him in the fifteenth round. Uh, an outfielder named Nate Scantlin, and he has apparently agreed to sign already. Um, he'll have to go out to Arizona and, you know, pass his physical before it's official. But uh, he, he's told local papers that he is going to sign. Um, and, you know, he, he's a toolsy outfielder that they were able to pick up in the 15th round. So I, I just think that that's uh, definitely somebody that will be worth following. And we know that he's going to sign, assuming there's nothing wrong medically that, you know, no one knows about at this point. Uh, so he's definitely a guy that is going to be in the Reds organization. Um, and then... We've got a guy in the 17th round named Junior Harding. Now, he's really interesting because he did not pitch at all in 2016 um, after an absolute dominant 2015 season. He battled uh, ulcerative, ulcerative colitis, um, which if, if you're not familiar with that, just Google it. It's it's a mess. Um, it's it's an intestinal kind of problem, and uh, he lost a whole bunch of weight, missed, missed the whole season, uh, but he came back and... You know, he pitched okay last year, but I think there's some real upside with him, and he said that he plans on signing with the Reds. Um, you know, he's been up to 97 out of the bullpen, although he's been a starter in, in college for the most part. Um, but, I mean, we're talking about a big-time arm strength guy, good curveball. Um, you know, I, I think that he could be a very, very good pickup in the 17th round, and, uh, you know, the Reds, the Reds have had some okay luck in the 17th round. That's where they drafted Chris Heisey once upon a time, and you know, he turned into a pretty good big leaguer. So maybe they'll strike gold in the 17th round again this year. Yeah, dare to dream. Uh, 
Another, another couple of uh, another interesting name is uh, one uh, in the 29th round, and I don't want to skip over anybody you want to talk about, but uh, outfielder AJ Bumpus from the University of Cincinnati, draft eligible sophomore. What do you think? Is he that local kid? So that's the reason I ask. Yeah, draft eligible sophomore because he'll. I'm not sure if he's 21. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. He just turned 21 at the end of May. Um, if if you're 21 within. I want to say three weeks after the draft as a sophomore, you are draft eligible as a sophomore. Otherwise, you have to be a junior. Uh, so he's one of the older sophomores in the class. Um, what I really liked about him is that he he had big-time strikeout problems as a freshman last year. Uh, he really cut down his strikeout rate this year, hit for more power. I mean, he hit better across the board. You really like seeing those guys that take that big step after their first year of college baseball. Um I, I'm, I'm not sure if he's going to sign or not. Um, we'll we'll kind of have to wait and see. He's got some leverage there in being a 29th rounder. Uh, I probably wouldn't sign unless they threw a lot of money at me um, because you, you can always go back for your junior year and try and improve your stock. Um, but as a, as a local guy, I, I really hope that he, he gets signed because I, I think those make really good stories. Um, and, and I really do like the, the improvements that he showed from his first year to his second year. Okay, before we try to su- sort of sum up the entire draft from the Reds' perspective, um, and I, I do want to try to do that before we sign off here, any other names that you think uh, Reds uh, Reds fans need to be keeping an eye on out of this draft? I think that the one other guy that we would really like to grab, uh, local Ohio kid, uh, high schooler, left-hander, uh, Seth Lonsway. Um you know, he was ranked as the 127th player in the country by Baseball America. So we're talking somewhere in the third, fourth, fifth round kind of talent that they got in the 19th round. Um, again, another guy I think is going to be a tough sign, but, you know, if, if they can find a couple hundred thousand extra dollars to throw his way, uh, would definitely be a big steal in the 19th round. Yeah, yeah, if they can get a, a player in the 19th round, it's fantastic. That's interesting. Now let's take a step back. Okay, you've... Uh, you, you, the, the draft is over. You've seen who the Reds took. Um, do you have a sense right now, and what are what are people saying about how this Reds draft compares to other teams' drafts? You know, last year they had sort of the consensus best draft of anyone uh, in baseball. How's how does it rank this year? Uh, as far as the national media is concerned, uh, they're pretty much saying the same thing this year. The Reds hit an absolute home run. Um, John Heyman of FanRag Sports actually had a quote from a rival executive uh, earlier today that said, you know, the Cincinnati Reds won the draft by far. Uh, he went on to say that it must be bad scouting by other organizations for the reasons that the Reds got the kind of haul that they did, that stars just kept falling into their lap. Um, you know, we, we talked about those guys they took on the first day, and, you know, we're talking three possible all-stars that the Reds got on on day one. I mean, that that you don't see things like that. So I, I think that, you know, I think the Reds did great. It seems that the general consensus around the country is that the Reds did great. And here we've got another front office executive talking about the Reds possibly getting three all-stars on the first day. So I, I it's not just me wearing my you know, rose-colored glasses. Um, it, it seems that everybody is really, really a fan of how things played out for the Reds. Doug, Doug are, the, are those Pete rose-colored glasses? No, they are not. <laughs> okay, now the next question for you here, before I give you a chance to give us your overarching thoughts, which of these guys is going to be the first one to make it to the big leagues? Oh, that's a tough question. Um, if I had to put money down on it, I would probably st- say Stuart Fairchild 
But it, it wouldn't surprise me if it were one of the college pitchers they took, uh, possibly getting there as a reliever, uh, somebody that they could move along pretty quickly. Uh, but I, I'm not sure that I could pinpoint who that guy is right now. Um, well, you're wrong. The answer is the first uh, player to make it to the major leagues out of this draft is either going to be Cash Case or Packy Naughton, one or the other. So I'm sorry mm-hmm. you missed you missed the, you missed that one, Doug. We'll we'll have to revisit this one in about a year and a half, two years, and see exactly how uh, how right you were and how wrong that I was. <laughs> All right, well, yeah, it's being recorded for posterity. What are your overall thoughts about the draft that you haven't anything you haven't said any before? Uh, anything you want to just sort of add as we put a finishing touches on this uh, podcast? I mean, I believe they did very well, and obviously, it's going to come down to whether or not they can get everybody signed. Uh, I don't think they're going to get or miss out on anybody they took in the top two or three rounds. Uh, and so, you know, that's really the the basis of what your draft is going to be uh, graded on for quite a while. Uh, now, some of the guys that we talked about in the latter half of the podcast here, if they can bring any of those guys on, I mean, it, it's absolute icing on the cake, but it, it really would be that extra little benefit that you kind of really pushes it from, you know, an A to a total A-plus Grand Slam walk-off Adam Dunn against the Indians kind of, you know, feeling for this draft. Yeah, it's too early to make any draw any uh, grand conclusions, but certainly for the second straight year, you got to feel pretty good about the the talent that uh, the Reds are able to continue to add. And this you know, hopefully is the last year they're picking number two. I hope we're moving a little bit forward. Um, so you got to think the Reds seems like they've taken advantage of their opportunities uh, over the last couple years to, to, to draft highly and because um, that doesn't doesn't come around that often. And so yeah, I feel good about it. But what do I know? You know a lot, Chad. Oh, you man, know a lot. That's that's actually very true. Uh, I'm the best. <laughs> you <laughs> are right. the best. You are absolutely the best. Oh, man. I'm glad someone finally has agreed with me on that. Uh, Doug, appreciate it. This is uh, always fun. Appreciate you guys listening to us uh, ramble on about the Reds and uh, and and taking time out of your day to download us, listen to listen to all the podcast, episode number 172. It's crazy. I do encourage you to subscribe if you're not already. You can get us on iTunes. You can find us at the Google Play Store, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher. You can find us just about anywhere you find your podcasts. Download us. Uh, give us a review and a rating at the, any of those places wherever you get your podcast. It does help other people find us. Also, if you uh, if you like us, tell your friends. If you don't like us, as I always say, keep your mouth shut. You can find Doug at uh, at on Twitter at DougDirt24. That's right, didn't it? Is that right? That is correct. Doug twenty four. You think I'd have that memorized? You can find me at Dotson C. You can find us at Red Leg Nation anytime. You can find Doug every single day at RedsMinorLeagues dot com. I encourage you to check that out. And you can also find Doug at least once a week at uh, RedLegNation dot com. And we're following the Cincinnati Reds, the Major League version, mostly um, at RedLegNation dot com every single day. Doug, always great talking to you. Appreciate it, buddy. Well, I, I really appreciate you as well, Chad, and thanks for having me on. Absolutely. We're going to do it again very, very soon. For Doug Gray, this is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.